during our lessons in Carol's service, the devotional is uh, carefully intended to not interrupt too much the flow, the rhythm of story and song, lesson in Carol. And so what I'd like to do is try to uh, draw some of the pieces of scripture together in a few minutes. Advent simply means coming or arrival. And the expectation of the Messiah's coming is the point of the four weeks of the Advent season. To look back in history and in a sense relive ancient Israel's longing, anticipation of the Savior's first coming, as well as to look ahead to the end of history to the Savior's second coming, his last Advent to complete all things. Advent is about longings and expectations. And kids, you understand this very acutely on Christmas Eve because there's a good chance that you are dying to know what is inside that wrapped present with your name on it under the Christmas tree. Longings and expectations. Uh, We adults also get to that idea of longings and expectations. We each have a memory, whether our own painful memory that therapy has still not resolved, or the memory of a niece or a nephew or or one of our own children years ago whose longings and expectations were dashed because they opened that present and they were so very disappointed. It was not what they thought they were receiving. If you were among the ancient people of God waiting expectantly for the Messiah to come in the first century, you too would have been disappointed. Chances are you would have walked right past Jesus, looking for someone more dignified, more attractive, more um, impressive, better dressed, better spoken with his articulation. You would have been looking for more great warrior and less good shepherd. Lesson number one pointed us to Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Hearing that about the coming Messiah, you expect to be dazzled with the light. And, and when the Messiah did come, Jesus called himself the light of the world, but his dazzle did not meet people's expectations. His light exposed the reality of humanity's sin, and nobody likes to be shown their own sin. His dazzle was wrapped in layers of humility, starting with his birth, as lesson number three foretold through the prophet Micah, that the Savior to come would be born in obscurity in a little town called Bethlehem. In lesson four, the angel Gabriel visited Mary to share mind-blowing, life-changing, history-altering news. You will give birth to God the Son, divine through the Holy Spirit, human through your body. He will be the Savior of the world. The special song that followed, I Shall Not Want, that grace let us in, it echoes the words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, meaning... In each each and every situation, God himself will supply exactly what I need. The song's prayer includes these thoughts. Deliver me, O God, from the fear of serving others, from the fear of death or trial, from the fear 
of humility. What God asked of Mary was absolutely terrifying. In every mundane moment of family life, she would know there was nothing at all mundane about her little boy. Mary's expectations for a a simple family life, let alone her expectations of the Messiah, they went out the window, completely recalibrated by the angel's announcement. But in her shattered expectations, she responded with simple humility, with willing obedience, with childlike trust. I am the Lord's servant, she said. May it be, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then there's Joseph. Lesson five, bringing us to Matthew's gospel. Joseph is upset, as you can imagine, that his fiancee, Mary, is pregnant and he's not the father. So an angel visits him in a dream to assure him that this is not a scandal. This is God's doing. This is the greatest of all miracles. This is the high point of God's cosmic, eternal plan of salvation. His assumptions about Mary's pregnancy, about what family life would look like, about the plan of God, all of it completely transformed by the greater wisdom of God who has eternal purposes in mind. Joseph's task is to stay with Mary, is to be faithful, is to raise this most special boy as his own. Joseph's task is to endure the suspicions and the whispers of those who would always question the timing of Mary's baby bump that didn't make sense. And that was nothing compared to the task of being father to the one who created him. Listen to these words that Stephen just sang for us, trying to capture Joseph's perspective. Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the son of God? Lord, for all my life, I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? Do you you hear notes of helplessness, of inadequacy, the shock at the crazy idea that the Son of God, the Messiah and King, would be born to such a lowly family in such sketchy circumstances? to commoners, to the uneducated, to the young. Early family life would involve running for their lives from the murderous intents of King Herod and having to flee to a foreign country. Any young couple would feel the weight of responsibility of simply giving birth and raising a child, being responsible for a little human being. But how can I raise a king was a bigger question. And then, one could imagine, how can this struggle, this pain, this chaos of life be God's plan for our lives? And how in the world can this be the way God intends to rescue his sinful people? Those were next level, more difficult questions. Their expectations were so very different from God's plan for greatest Blessing, not only for them, but through them and through their son, his greatest blessing for the dark world in need of light and real hope. 
I wonder on this Christmas Eve what's going on in your life that might make you think, if there is a God, why isn't he doing something? Why isn't he changing things? Why isn't he bringing me relief in unemployment, in sudden grief, in your strained marriage, in your loneliness, in confusion, expectations for a life unmet, struggle and disappointment instead of satisfaction, the cold, dark winter too accurately describes your life. But don't make the same mistake that so many in first century Israel made. Don't miss the wonder of God's greatest gift because your expectations and longings are misdirected. Don't aim so low that you simply want better health or a new job that'll pay more or a new love that will fill the void. Don't aim so low that that's all you're dreaming about. Your greatest hope is not relief from pain. Your greatest hope is not a lifetime free of disease or full of financial abundance. Your greatest hope costs the father his greatest treasure and is therefore infinitely more valuable. Your greatest hope is that in the darkness of sin, your own and the world's all around you, life-giving light, the high king of heaven, arrived in an animal stall. Jesus, born for the cross, to suffer to save. We'll hear those paradoxical words sung for us in a few minutes. Jesus would experience life on the margins. He would be in need. He'd feel deep grief. He'd feel loneliness, mockery, even betrayal by a close friend. But worst of all, Jesus the Son would experience the judgment of the Father on the cross for the sins of his people. None of that, none of that fit anyone's expectations of the Messiah. But that, collectively, is the only reason that Christmas is worth celebrating. That is what offers you real hope in darkness, real comfort in life's trials, real freedom from the enslaving power of sin. How do you access such a generous valuable gift with simply yielding in trust like Mary by believing in God's surprising ways like Joseph by seeing with spirit-filled eyes that Jesus alone is Savior. Come, thou long-expected Savior, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins Release us, let us find our rest in thee. Let's pray. Jesus, you are our hope, our greatest hope, our sole hope. What child is this? Nails and spear shall pierce you through the cross, be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Let these sometimes too familiar but shocking truths refresh us, Lord, with wonder and awe 
that you, the eternal God, would draw near to us in flesh, dwell among us, that you might die for sinners like us. Fill us with the light of Christmas, not stuff, not feasting, not presents, not friendship and family, but with the hope that Jesus, you alone bring to us sinners. We give you praise this day. Amen.